We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We have your coverage of day 10 of Brown's training camp with live on-site analysis from our guest, Corey Kennan. We will also go through some of his thoughts around the Hall of Fame game, who played well, who didn't play well, what we're looking at going forward, and then some back and forth on some key positions that still need addressed. All of that and more on the OBR Film Breakdown up next. All right, Corey Kennan and I linking up, as uh, as we mentioned, that has been a part of the plan for a while here. It's sometimes a little tricky, you know, so we, we try to get on the same schedule as often as we can. I had actually intended, Corey, to be up at camp today. Some things happened around the house, couldn't make it up, but it sounds like it was a toasty one up there in Cleveland. Is, it, is that the case? Uh, yes, yes, it was. Yes, it was. There was like a brief, like the end of practice, like the last 30 minutes or so, it got pretty overcast because it looked like it was going to rain. So it was like breezy and the clouds covered the sun and that was amazing. But uh, before that, yeah, it was a, it was a hot one. It was a hot one. It is in, in Berea there, there's absolutely zero tree help. Like it is, you are just out there cooking in, in the middle of. There's like uh, the back the corner sun. of the, like the field that they do 11 on 11s on. Like that first field yeah. by the, the grandstands. There's like that back corner where that's the only trees in the entire, the entire place. So you so, got to go there fully prepared to just be cooking the entire day. Yeah. So, and especially on the sidelines as you were. So, so you go up, you get a chance to cover it. Um, you know, camp as best you can. I always say camp is, it's, it's challenging for the people who are doing coverage just largely because you can't, you can't see man. Like, um, mm-hmm. and it's kind of like an, it's a glance in my opinion, Corey of, you know, what you're doing as a play caller and why it's sort of hard on the sidelines, because you really can't see a lot of things unfold. It's, it's challenging to come away with many takeaways. Now, a lot of veterans were off miles, Joel, David, and Joku Chubb uh, were off, but you probably got a chance to see Jerome Ford. You got a chance to see some of those other guys. And it sounds like Jerome had a chance to, to talk with the media with, with, with everybody there answering some questions. What's your impression of him? Do you, do you like how he, presents himself do you feel like there's a level of confidence he has to be able to handle this secondary running back role what's going on there yeah so him and stump mitchell both actually spoke today and there was a lot of overlap in what they talked about because they got a lot of the same questions obviously about drum ford like they the browns didn't go out and get a running back in the draft they haven't gone out and gotten one on the free agent market outside of an undrafted free agent in Hassan hall so uh that's a lot of unspoken uh respect and um 
confidence in Jerome Ford, even though he has eight career carries. So, um, yeah, Stump Mitchell is is really fun to listen to. Uh, not so much that because he's animated or not, because he's really not. He's, he's pretty monotone. He's pretty he's pretty straight to business. But but he'll tell it like it is. Like he's like, yeah, Nick isn't isn't super patient out of gun. I want him to be more be more patient. So he's not afraid to go after Nick. He's not afraid to to do any of that kind of stuff and push these guys and. It's one one thing he kept saying about Jerome is like I'm on his butt, like we're on his butt. We, because I think they understand um, both of them, both Mitchell and Ford, understand the opportunity and uh, what they need from him this year. Again, for a team that's pushed every single chip to the center of the table, except for probably defensive tackle and running back, like they're banking a lot on a guy with eight eight carries, and he seems up for it. Uh, he said, "I'm anxious. I, I I just want to go out there and prove it." So um, again, he didn't play in the Hall of Fame game. Eight career carries. Um, but he, he seems like it. He mentioned pass pro a lot. I know Andrew Barry's mentioned pass pro a lot with him. I know Stump Mitchell's mentioned pass pro with him. So he's just, he's mentioned like, that's something I really focused on this off season and that's going to help him get on the field. Um, so I'm optimistic. We're, I will, we'll see him against Washington on Friday night for sure. I would assume. Um, but I, again, I think he's up for it. Um, he's talked about how he's just, he's stuck to Nick's hip all off season. Uh, mm-hmm. he's learned how to be a better pro. He's like, Nick has never been fine. Nick has never missed a meeting. Nick is a diligent note taker. Uh, he just talked all about how, like, I'm I'm trying to do that, um, and and something that Stump Mitchell said was he should he should strive to match Nick's stat for stat as well. So um, it, it seems like, and again, like Ford has two of the best people in the building to learn from, in Nick Chubb and Stump Mitchell, a very decorated running back coach and a very decorated like the probably the best running back in the NFL. So again, we won't see anything until he actually gets on the field and we can kind of see. Um, but I like what he said. He sounds prepared. He sounds like he's taken a leap maturity wise in year two. Good. Yeah. I think um, a bit of a guessing game a little bit there. You know, there's quite a few veteran running backs in the market. We've gone through this exercise too many times. We all know who's out there, but if teams can cut the corner here, I think they're trying to cut the corner here as best they can. And it's not like I'm sure you'd agree with me. They, they sort of forced their hand with, with Kareem Hunt. They were going to always use Kareem Hunt based on what they had to pay him. So it's not like they don't believe Jerome could have played last year. It's just, it was the fortunate situation or unfortunate for Jerome that everyone in the running back room stayed healthy, which was, you know, if he would have arrived one year earlier, he would have had a very large opportunity to play. Yeah. Right. You know, that's, that's just the the way the game breaks year at year in year out. So I think Jerome's more than capable. I think, uh, I think they're proving that they want to, they want to believe in him. And like you said, he should get time against Washington. I don't really know based on history of how the joint practice stuff works, it feels like the veterans also won't play in that Philadelphia one uh, as well, just because they'll get all their work in during the week. But then it's like, okay, that's a lot of, that's a lot of pressure on one preseason, you know, real tuna. But again, it might not, might not be something Kevin cares about because by evidence of what we're talking about earlier with these veteran days off, he just wants to get to the regular season. Like he's, he, he really is, is as much mental as possible get to the regular season, which might not be the thing that some of the old heads would love to hear, right? They want guys out there banging pads and, you know, two days and all the old school stuff. But Kevin would prefer that, you know, availability is your, your best ability. So he wants those guys to be ready and go or ready to go by week one. So I, I like your, your point, there'll be a uptick in guys playing against Washington, but I, I don't foresee a bunch of the starters giving that one a go yet because I think that there's just uh, just still too far out at that point to feel comfortable with with uh, anything crazy there. But otherwise, at practice, sounds like the defense had another day. Uh, and again, these sometimes I think there was a report just yesterday out of Baltimore about like nine interceptions in Baltimore's practice. Like I think people need to understand that there are times 
where these things like back when I was coaching, this is what we did. We'd write up our script and then we'd give our script to the defense and let them write their script off the D off that look. So some plays you're putting your team in an advantage. Some plays you're putting your defense at a disadvantage. Like it's just whatever you want to do sort of situationally in any given practice. But I will say, Corey, you know, 22 snaps of man coverage cover one in the hall of fame game. It is a, de- a definitive difference in approach to how they're covering and they're not being secretive about it. So did you, you know, come away? I mean, like I said, I saw some, um, it looks like Elijah Moore had a really nice catch over Denzel, but Denzel's battling him as often as possible. It seems like Emerson's having a nice camp and, and anything that you uh, caught your eye defensively, I should ask. Uh, the front man, they ate up the offensive line today. Like in the, like in the, the, the running drills, it just felt like running backs didn't really have any lanes. Um, and again, like when I was in high school football, like I went to a small school, so we all played both sides of the ball. We knew it was coming. So you can anticipate kind of those sorts of things, but, uh, it really looked like the defensive line had, had, had a pretty good day, had a pretty good day up front. Um, I just noticed the wide receivers and corners again, battling it out quite a bit. Amari, Amari had some real, real smooth reps again today. He cooks Martin Emerson on, on a, on a double move, um, a deep ball, double move. Again, Elijah Moore and Denzel went at it. I don't think Denzel could have covered him any better. That was just a perfectly placed ball and a great catch yeah. by Elijah. So, um, but again, it's really, really hard to see what's going on down there. Like I try to stand at an angle so I can try to see past the sideline because they're all all the players line up on the sideline like they do on Sundays. So they're blocking everything too from um, from where you're standing. But uh, again, it, it was hard to see. But but I did notice like some timing. And I talked to um, Lance Reisland uh, from from Cleveland.com like. And during seven on seven, I was like, man, it just feels like Deshaun's extending a lot for seven on seven. Like is the, is the timing off? And he was like, well, sometimes they do extension drills where like they practice it, like the, the scramble drill, blah, 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 blah. But it was like every other, every like third play in seven on seven, it's like, why, like what's, what's going with the timing. And that could be a coverage thing, but it just felt like, man, these, these guys aren't on time uh, to where like in seven on seven, you should really be able to hit your drop and get the ball out. But um, it just felt a little fragmented. Yeah, you'll have that. You'll have that at times. It feels like there have been some days, and this is what you should want, right? Where defense is having their day and offense is having their day. There have been some reports of that. So uh, it's it's tough to, as you said, it's tough to pull away from these days where you're kind of covered up and the view is is is, is tough. I mean, I think this is the second day fans get to go. There's one more day tomorrow people can go. And then I think there's like a break until the 20th, I believe, that the public can go see them. So not a ton of days here that there's a – chance to consume like what's happening on a day-to-day basis seems like austin Watkins continues to shine i mean at the back end of this Mm -hmm. wide receiver room we felt like there are five wide receivers who are sort of a lock and you never want to be careful with the word lock but five wide receivers you felt were pretty close but it it seems like he's sort of sticking his nose in there for that final spot or at least a practice squad consideration where he arrives late but you know if you continue to make plays Corey, i mean you're going to eventually get a chance at this thing and he's making plays yeah, that that highlight that's going around of him tracking that ball over his left shoulder down the down the left sideline, which is the hardest to track. I was like, that was right in front of where I was standing. I was like, okay, all right, that's a that's a pretty decent track there, uh, and that, that's coming off that touchdown in the the, the Hall of Fame game. This feels like a, a room that it's hard to make it in, just because they again they went out and they got a variety of different names that are like, well, these guys are making the team, so. Um, so again, I like him. I think he'll be a practice squad stash. He's he's made his impact uh, in the Hall yeah. of Fame game and practice I saw today. So, um, but again, those practice squad guys have gotten called up in previous years. Like Dalen Baldwin played two games last year. Like, um, 
who's the other guy that that played in the that Jets that Jets game in 2021 when the whole team or 2021? Oh the man, they they he's I, been I don't around, think... he's around for like two years. I don't remember his Oof, name. That, uh, that's a good question. Now we could go off air and we'll figure this out in a second, but I can't yeah. remember. But they brought up so many people there. I mean, there's guys who have been around. The thing that's amazing is some of the longevity of some of these guys, like John Kelly, we know has been around Bradley, Marcus Bradley, Marcus Bradley. Right. And then like my, you know, Harley's back as a second year guy as a UDFA. Like they seem to be able to bring some of these guys back. And then you get to, to the point where you know the system really well. So you want somebody like that mm-hmm. to be able to just hop onto the field and play, right. Be called up and play. And it seems like they're pushing in the right direction for some of those guys to be able to come up and do that. So that's, that's sort of exciting. Um, We're going to, Take a break real quick, come back, and then I want to talk about Hall of Fame game where we actually had some real insights because uh, I, I talked about it with Andrew Spade, but I want to get your thoughts on it too, Corey. So we'll be right back. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Right, we've sat back, had a chance to sort of consume that all twenty-two. You know, we can talk, we can talk camp and, and quotes and stuff, and we, we, you know, we've kind of covered some of that. But I, I want to get your thought, a chance for you to chime in on who you were impressed by in the Hall of Fame game. Now, this is preseason zero. We'll get to get to the three games, and we'll be able to pull more insights against competition that matters. But there were times where the Jets were putting some important people out there. It's not like they weren't mm-hmm. trotting out nobody's for the early portion of that game. So, um, you know, Mackay Becton's on the field with McDonald, you know, Bryce Huff, some of the others 
uh, were out there as well. I think Jeremiah Johnson was out there too. So like they, they were putting guys out there and, and I think the Browns handled themselves pretty respectfully. So, um, you know, stepping away from it, like give me some names that caught your eye in a good way. Yeah. So you got to start with Dewan. looking at the all 22, like Dewan Jones, of course, didn't give up a pressure. Um, I, again, he, he's getting lauded and he should, he played every single snap of that game. I, I did see some stuff where he struggled with some speed from, from Bryce Huff a little bit, mm-hmm. um, off the edge, but again, uh, some of his hand replacement stuff is just so spectacular. The swipe and replace to get to win back inside position. He does it so well. Again, he's long as hell, so he better be able to do that. Um, so he stands out, of course. Um, I don't think there's a player I was more impressed with than, than Luke Whipler, though, um, the center from Ohio State. Like that dude, I, I've got I've got a hot take in the in the chamber about the center position on the Browns, but some of the stuff that dude that dude looked like a, a seasoned vet. The way he's climbing at the second level, the way he's his hip drop is phenomenal he's six three so he's not tiny but like that dude can sink his hips and really win at pad level and drop his anchor uh, or dig people out of their gaps like he was moving people he was climbing the second level he was playing through the whistle um i was i was stunned by luke whipler um by how well he played and again he played predominantly the second half so he wasn't going against the guys that nick harris was going to who i also thought had a pretty good game uh nick harris had a pretty good game too so those are the three that really stick out. Cedric Tillman, again, what you saw in Tennessee's tape is what you saw in Cleveland, that just like veteran savvy that he brings to the wide receiver position. He knows how to sell subtly to create cushions of separations. He knows how to stem his routes like precisely. Um, what What is not surprising because I, I think I anticipated it a little bit, but but again, in, in Tennessee's offense, his route tree was very thin. It was hook, it was a nine ball, or it was a screen. That was it, like or slant. Those, those were the four routes that he ran. Gimmick is um, so a gift. Yes, yes. So I, I was a little shocked though. I mean, he's he's stemming to dropping his hips to hitting a dig. He's he's running those comebacks. He's he's doing a little bit more than he was doing at, at Tennessee, and, and uh, he's a little more flexible for a six four receiver than I thought he was. So um, that's a pleasant surprise as well. Um, so I think he's going to be a week one contributor. He might have as many snaps as Donovan Peoples Jones. He might match DPJ's production in twenty twenty three, even though DPJ's coming off a of B where he almost had a thousand yards. So. Um, those are the, the big names. That's a good, a good thing for your rookie class. Uh, I thought, uh, Colby Gossett had a really strong game. Uh, dude was burying people. Um, I think he's got a chance to make the team mainly because I didn't really like West, what Wes Martin put on tape. I did, so yeah. I didn't, Drew Forbes was Drew Forbes. We've seen four years of Drew Forbes. So like five years of Drew Forbes. So that's kind of where we're at there. But, uh, Gossett was, he again, played through the whistle. So pass pros, never passive was always turning and like keeping his head on the swivel. Uh, saw him dig somebody out in the run game as well. So, uh, pretty shocked by that too. It was extremely impressive from the guys up front for the most part. They're gonna. I think that something we feel safe in saying is is again this year when they when they trim down the roster, they are going to let go of some NFL players, guys who could play across the league. And I think there'll be several of their guys uh, scooped up. I, I I just do that will actually find some rosters. So. Uh, especially, you know, the Michael Dunn's, those guys, if they end up getting let go, like they're going to, and they got a tough decision. I know um, the center stuff is, is no matter who they let go there, whatever route they go, it's going to be, it's going to be a player that can play. That, that's just the situation. I mean, Whipler sitting there in the sixth round, I'm sure they were just in the draft room. Like, do we need it? Probably not, but this is a player that we really like. Like you just, you eventually you're forced to take that type of player. So it's going to be another year. I think last year was the first year we saw this, where they where they have some tough cuts to make at positions, and uh, center kind of added another layer to it. And and uh, and I know Ethan Postage had a nice year, but I think he's pretty safely a candidate. Where it's like, okay, is he? He had a nice one year. 
but is he this guy in perpetuity going forward? Right. That's always a challenge to know if one guy had a one year wonder. And I know, um, you know, they're, they're solving, they're solving that with some insurance here, but just yeah. something to pay attention to, you know what and I mean? Again, like I, I, I talked to you off the air about it, but, but Whipler's contract, they safeguarded it or not Whipler. I'm sorry. Uh, Posick's contract. They, they safeguarded it for themselves pretty, pretty nicely. Again, it was a three-year deal, $18 million on the surface, but if they could cut him after this year and they'd have to eat just $2 million each of the yeah. next four years, which you could say, oh, that's $8 million they're eating, blah, 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 blah. But like $1.9 million a year is nothing for a team to, to take in in dead cap. So uh, they, they safeguarded themselves pretty well in case Posick does return to how he played in Seattle, yep. how he played when he returned from his injury, if we're being honest. Like yep. th- there's ways out of that. So, yeah, I, I couldn't agree more that that's something to pay attention, especially because I thought, you know, Nick Harris first came back from serious injury. I thought he was respectable. It wasn't great, but it was respectable. And I think he's going to continue to get better as he gets a solid foundation under him or comfortable, you know, the, the mental block of I tore an ACL. It's really challenging. So, and again, I thought he looked pretty comfortable. Um, defensive line wise, Isaiah McGuire, some of these young guys, uh, I, did, I didn't see anything personally that, that made me, I thought uh, Siaki Ika was pretty pretty solid at holding his ground, holding a gap fit, uh, doing an okay. I mean, he was dead in the water against the pass, which I think has to be uh, more than expected at this point. But I thought he was fine. I think Tommy Togi, I might have put together one of the better performances of the D tackle group, which is a little bit jarring, considering Jordan <laughs> Elliott played twelve snaps. You know what I mean? So right. uh, we we saw Justin Houston sign today with um, um, who did Justin Houston sign with? Carolina. Carolina. So. He's another veteran off the board. Not that the Browns are necessarily looking at edge veterans, but there's just these veterans are getting scooped up. The Eagles sign uh, Miles Jack and um, I think Cunningham, right? I think that's who they uh, ended up signing two linebackers today, mm-hmm. sort of similar to what they did with defensive tackle last year. These teams are plugging holes. Shelby Harris visits. I don't think you can roll into the year with what they have right now, man. I really don't. I think they have to bring in one competent body. We saw Maurice Hurst. We haven't seen Tristan Hill, but I think we know who Tristan Hill is, right? I mean, I don't think we have to, to play secrets about that. So you know, I, I didn't see anything that blew me away from Hurst. Now, there's more preseason action to go here, but I think there needs to be a sense of urgency at defensive tackle. Would you agree with that still? I will. I will say, talking to people who have been at practice every day, um, they've been saying that Tristan Hill, when he's on the field, is is looking pretty good. But again, he has that. he's a cast on his wrist now. So, like, he didn't play in yeah. the Hall of Fame game. So that stinks. That stinks. But uh, And you hope that, you know, he was a second round pick of Dallas just three years ago. Uh, but he kind of built up a reputation in Dallas of a guy who didn't really work hard and a guy who any opportunity he got would gator roll somebody. So like, that's not what you want to be, but, but maybe that, that release from, from Dallas sparked something because again, his, his short stint in Arizona, when, when they picked him up after he got caught, cut, he, he graded out pretty well playing for, for Arizona, those back few games there. Um, but that's not, again, he's got a wrist on or cast on his wrist now. And that's not a player that you can just like bank on going into the regular season. Um, so they have to, and I think Jordan Elliott being the only first teamer to play in the hall of fame game kind of tells you that they, they probably feel that, uh, sense of urgency as well. And I think Josina Anderson had tweeted out like, yeah, he came for a visit. The Browns were under the impression that he's not really in, in a place where he's really urgent to sign. He might be milking some offers mm-hmm. kind of taking other, like other stops along the way. I hope they get it done again. Matt Ioannidis is still out there. I don't know why. I, but, I've told the guys on our staff here that 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 him being with he's too good for it to be this good. quiet. Is there like a thought that he's around the league, like he's retiring? Like I, I mean, I just he's too good for this to be so quiet. There have to be teams calling, and he just is ducking the calls. 
because he makes too much sense for so many teams, obviously Cleveland included. It's just the pool of these guys, a defensive tackle. I mean, like Adamic and Sue's kind of out there, but you're, you're starting to run up against it about because the Browns and his agent have been in conversation the yeah, past the two off Schwartz connection, you know, is, is real Schwartz too. Connection. And, and he obviously last year waited it out to sign with the contender. So it might be the same thing this year. He might not sign till week nine, week 10 with the contender again. He might just wait it out that long again, but, but that connection between the Browns and Sue's agent has, has been pretty present over the past couple of seasons. So, yeah. They got to do something, man. Got to do something. Anything else from either your time up there today or Hall of Fame game you think that is worth noting before we jump into? I think uh, it's going to be a, a pretty fast week. We only get to see, I think they get to see him Monday and then Wednesday, and then all of a sudden Washington's in town. So, um, you know, any, I mean, you didn't really get a chance to hit on DTR and what you thought of him. So maybe go on that. Oh, that's a good point. Uh, one thing I'll say about defense is, is I think uh, what you see on paper is kind of what you get. I wasn't shot. Like, I wasn't pleasantly surprised by any of the depth pieces playing out there like the safety room is like okay like these guys aren't aren't these guys are undrafted free agents for a reason even Ronnie Hickman you know Mm -hmm. I thought he had a chance to go out there and I I think he has a chance to battle for that safety four position but kind of showed what he showed on Ohio State he's good if you can stick him downhill but he's got no range over the top he's got no no deep speed nothing so um but I I, I guess I mean Alex Wright's my guy so I kind of got to shout him out a little bit he played a few a few series uh, and I thought he looked a lot lighter this season I don't know he looks he looks lighter to me he looks quicker off the ball uh, had some nice run defense reps he's still trying to win along the outside track as a pass rusher and he keeps losing his footing every time every time he tries to play outside of his outside of his frame so I don't I don't think that's his game but I I don't know if they're telling him like hey you should push this stuff while you're in the preseason mm-hmm. uh, I don't know if they'll kick him back inside when Zadarius and Miles and Ogbo are playing. Uh, but I thought he had some really nice reps working through the chest of blockers. And I thought he had some really nice reps in the run game, um, sticking himself in a gap, working backside pursuit, uh, in, in wide zones. So that was notable to me as well, but yeah. Then, and then DTR, what did, what did you think? Do you think yeah. there's downline hold him on his, you know, holding him as the second quarterbacks early? He's got to play three more games here, but I don't know, maybe you caught something today and, and you're impressed with him, but, but, uh, it's, as far as the debut goes, it doesn't get much better for a youngster. No, and I, I was impressed. Like, I'm, I'm through the offensive tape, and yeah, like, for a first game, like, especially the DTR you saw at, at UCLA, he's kind mm-hmm. of all over the place, but, like, his pocket work was phenomenal in the Hall of Fame game. Like, it there's was. one rep where, where both the tackles are running the loop, and he steps up perfectly, finds a window, extends, and, and picks up a first down. Like, uh, that second and 16 throw, he, he manipulates a passing window with his arm angle and, and slings it, like, throws a seed, throws a dart over the middle, so like he did a lot of like things that's like, oh, this guy is there's something here. Yeah. Um, to the point where I'm like, he could back up year one. I know that that's why they gave Dobbs that fully guaranteed contract. They don't want him to, they want to ease him in, but like that's a pretty good pretty good grasp on the offense from like I wouldn't say a, a ceiling raising perspective, although the stuff he does outside of structure and his ability to use the legs definitely raises the ceiling, but but like floor raising stuff is what I was more impressed with. Like he was on time. He was safe with the football for the most part. He was accurate. His pocket work with like that stuff that just like he shows if he needs to, he can at least run an organized offense. Yeah. And you know, that's a challenge going from signal based offenses to being able to hear over something in your helmet and spit the verbiage back out. That's a challenge. So mm-hmm. it's a flying a for him. I, I hope he, he can continue to do more and more because they would probably prefer to to keep that roster spot. I mean, the one thing, there's two things that fascinate me in the preseason. It's what they're going to do with that quarterback rule, right? You still have to have them on the 53, and I really don't think many teams 
in the regular season are going to carry an extra quarterback. It's still going to be two quarterbacks. Almost everybody takes out there. And then also kind of looking at the timing at which roster cuts happen, because as we know, they don't have to go too and too far into the weeds and, and roster cutting until right after that third game. And, and that differs from years past. So it's just kind of like the tempo of the cuts will be mm-hmm. an interesting thing to watch as well. So, uh, yeah, listen, we got Corey's insights. I always want to do crossovers with him as, as many times as possible. Um, you know, I think that, that we'll continue to do this maybe throughout the season, even where we get to share insights on what we process from the film and try to spit back to you guys, both on his podcast and my own, what we thought of it. So anytime we get with Corey is uh, greatly appreciated, man. Uh, you know that Corey, I appreciate you, buddy. Absolutely. Jake, anytime at all. All right, guys, that's it for your Monday. Hopefully you enjoyed it. Caught you up on a practice on Sunday. Everything you needed to know about that. Some Hall of Fame game insights. Now we turn our attention to a Friday game against the Commanders and everything you need to know about what's going to happen in that game. We will keep you updated throughout the week. We'll get with Andrew Spade. We'll have another guest. Continue going through our positions, kind of looking at the preview slash review of those positions, kind of predicting the 53 as best we can as well. OBR will have plenty of insights. They are back at Berea tomorrow. I do apologize. I referenced I was going to be able to go to these two days. I'm actually not going to be able to go. Practices are at 2. thought they were a little earlier, and since they're not earlier, it is going to inhibit me from going. So I am not going to be able to go to those, but I will try to bring on people who have insights around them or pull the insights that I can find so you keep uh, up to date on everything going on at Browns Camp. But again, a reminder, they are there Monday, and they think they are there Wednesday, and then they're not back again um, until like the 20th. So it'll be a, a long stretch of time. They're in Philly doing joint practices, things like that. And we'll try to do our best to keep you apprised of what's going on. Busy times ahead. We're in the thick of the preseason now. Other teams will start to play and we'll be able to get a feel for what other rosters are shaping up like and what your Browns can do to improve their own roster. Exciting stuff. Good week ahead. Thanks for stopping by on this Monday. Thanks to Corey for being here. And then thanks to you guys for listening. As always, rate and review the podcast. That always means the most to the OBR Film Breakdown as far as getting to other people out there. So thanks for doing that. You guys have been great with it. Have a fantastic Monday. And go Browns. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.